Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed, Ed, Daniel, Mike, and myself. Um, before we get started, I want to congratulate publicly our fearless leader, the founder, the president, the CEO of Liberty Block, who's also a prolific author, who had his first child, a son, on a day that fittingly will be remembered and noted by almost every American for many, many years to come, and that would appropriately be January 6th. I may even call the kid J6. So, how appropriate. Same J, middle name six. J, well, I'm not sure how we'll do it. Maybe the first name will be J6. It depends, you know. But yeah, it'll be nice that the whole country will be uh, noting the day with him. Some in mourning, some in happiness, but... <coughs> Congratulations to Alu. Congratulations and hello yeah, to everybody. Congratulations. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, just to speak about Alu, because one of the subjects I want to cover today is SCOTUS turning down, staying the Second Circuit stay on the judge in New York who put a stay or suspended or whatever enforcement of New York's ridiculous gun laws. Let, let's just say it out. The uh, the Supreme Court failed to uphold the Second Amendment against the New York uh, ridiculous gun. And the reason the Supreme I, Court I, did the entire I, court do it, or was it just the emergency appeal? Well, so it was the emergency appeal on a temporary injunction that right. had gotten so removed. Sotomayor is 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 the one who who's in charge of Second Circuit emergency appeals i'm not surprised that she turned it down right no i'm only mentioning it because shouldn't she was, have uh shouldn't she have um referred it to the entire court for it wasn't that, clear I mean, to me if she tried that or not but you know alu wrote a couple because both ago, both alito uh, and uh uh what? i think alito and and one other judge and wrote, what's his name uh, yeah the good one thomas thomas yeah but, you know, Alu had written yeah. that it won't matter what the Supreme Court said about guns. States will simply ignore it. No one's going to do a thing about it. And I'm just only curious, had they filed the exact same emergency, whatever it is with SCOTUS, and substituted the enumerated, enumerated right of abortion, would the Supreme Court not have acted? And I'll leave it at that. Depends on the circuit. We well, all know abortion the was the Court zero. Would have jumped to protect abortion because that's the most important right in the country, and two A can go down the tubes. And even and there are people worried that even the Supreme Court that's supposedly going to stand for two A, well, let's let it play out for another couple of years. Then New Yorkers can have <sighs> a constitutional right that they just finally sort of won. So again, it proves the states. I know Ed, what you're going to say, Adam. That the, what uh, am I going to say? The red states should learn from the blue states and tell the Supreme Court where to get off. And I agree with you. But. Well, I do. I do think that. But I, I think that we shouldn't be so critical of, of judges being restrained, even when we want them to do something. I'm OK with judges backing off. I mean, I realize, you know, that, that there was an appeal and then the, the Second Circuit intervened. but for the Supreme Court to just say, you know what, we're just going to let the process roll out or play out. I don't think, even if I disagree with the substantive position, I'm okay with the with the Supreme Court learning and all courts learning, butt out, stay back, don't try and assert more power than you have. 
So I totally disagree in this instance, because this is a Supreme Court basically saying, yeah, we know we spent 20 years deciding and we finally said it, but we don't really care what we said. We don't really mean it. Screw you. This is not the Supreme Court showing restraint. This is the Supreme Court wussing out on its own decision and saying, yeah, we don't really care if you ignore our decisions. And that's why I think this is inexcusable. Then what's the point of them making a decision? What was the, I mean, I mean, as the lawyer on the panel, I can tell you that process and procedure matter. And I don't know what the, what the procedural posture of the appeal was. Nobody uh, cares about the procedure. We have a right from the Constitution. The Supreme Court finally said we have a right from the Constitution. <clears throat> now we're going to hide behind procedure to deny that right. For well, you. they threw out the New Jersey law, which was identical. They they allowed a uh, uh, they allowed a um, preliminary injunction against uh, large parts of the New Jersey law. But that, um, that's at what level did that happen? Oh, and that was the Supremes too. So I mean, oh, that was a federal what did judge, they do? not I the mean, Supreme Court. It just says a federal judge, George W. Bush appointee, issued a temporary restraining order. And trust me, they'll get the same exact thing like New York. They'll get an appellate judge to overthrow that, and the Supreme Court will once again say we didn't really mean it. So, no, it's not that they see you're you're see that's the thing, Stephen. You're substituting a substantive decision for a procedural decision. They're not saying we didn't really mean it. They're just saying procedurally, this is not appropriate for an emergency appeal. Right. They're saying that we made a ruling. You can laugh in our face and absolutely refuse to listen to our ruling. And you get another few years to play games. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying if you want to do an appeal to the Supreme Court, brief the issue. Give us give us the briefs and we'll make a fully informed decision. We're not going to make a half cock decision on the fly. So some of us non-lawyers vehemently disagree with procedure when it means that you have zero constitutional rights and there's absolutely no sanction against the state for telling the Supreme Court, go to hell, we don't care, we're going to block anything you say when we feel like it. So no, we don't care about procedure, we care that there's a constitutional right that they don't give us. So you can hide behind procedure all day. What does that mean? What, What does that even mean, procedure? Who cares about procedure? They made the ruling. This is going against their ruling. So what's procedure? How do you know it's going against their ruling? Because New York State literally said nobody can carry a gun anywhere for any reason. If that's I haven't read the briefs. Have you read the briefs? I have no interest in reading the briefs. I know what the New York State law says. Basically, you cannot carry a gun anywhere for any reason. You have to give up your Facebook signing in for three years. You have to get moral. Right. And the lower court judge struck it down. Right. And, and issued the an injunction. Said, we don't care. And okay. then the Second Circuit said, we're not going to let the we're going to keep we're going to lift the injunction until we find until we resolve the appeal. That's right. all they said. The thing is, the, the thing is that when. When the state governments or the federal government uh, violate your rights and and in the end the courts even decide that that's happening um, there's no consequence at all uh, suppose that these appeals for New York to go you know three or four years in those years people will be uh, imprisoned uh, for carrying a, a pistol uh, in the wrong place uh, they'll be um, uh, they'll be murdered because they didn't have their, uh, um, you know, self-protection. 
uh, your uh, one of the things in the New York law is your is if a, a pistol is in a car, no matter where the car is going, anywhere in the state, it has to be unloaded. So there'll be people who have been carjacked and not able to defend themselves. And you know who knows what's going to happen four years from now when it gets to the Supreme Court. But let's assume the Supreme Court says, yeah, we meant sensitive places in the sense of like federal courthouses and places where we might get injured. We didn't mean it for like all the places. So it's all gone. See, well, what about all those into, people who again, are in jail into, who are, who've been arrested? There, there's no Ed, recourse. But Ed, you're getting into the substance, which has not been decided. All the court is all the courts are really saying the Second Circuit and Sotomayor, they're really saying the legislature has spoken, the legislature gets its day in court, the legislature gets to bring its appeal, and we're not going to interfere with the legislature's decision until we're fully briefed on the issue and it's fully decided. Now, I, I, I agree with you on the substance, but procedurally, I can't really argue with that position. But again, I'm, I'm sympathetic to what really Ed, have to Ed, understand Ed is saying, that, though, too. Ed, I'm, any I'm, law real quick, I mean, I'm that, sympathetic to what you're saying. Because the default should be your right should be upheld, not infringed. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is is that the the burden of proof should be on the state legislature that this law is consistent with the constitution. Right. And until that burden of proof has been met, the law should be in abeyance. That it's it's the burden it, it's the burden of proof kind of issue on this, and that's what I really object. I mean, yeah, if they wanted to ban guns in like public parks. Not, you know, not courthouses, you know, or, or schools, which have kind of already been adjudicated, but something like public park. Now, I, that's totally wrong, and I'm totally against it. They should never be able to do that. Um, but uh, the presumption should be that's unconstitutional until you can show me through the litigation process that that is a uh, sensitive place. And that isn't even law. The sensitive place thing is just dicta. But you you get the idea. It 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 should be pre presumed unconstitutional. All of these laws should be presumed unconstitutional until um, proven otherwise. And that's my. Point. But that's giving judges a lot of power over the legislature. And while uh, I agree again, with you on we this live in a judicial oligarchy already. I'm not. I didn't make the rules. I'm just saying that uh, if. If we if we're going to live in a judicial oligarchy, at least our our side should be as brutal uh, against just, the I'm left just as their side has been. I'm going to keep my blood pressure down as much as I can and just say it one more time: the Supreme Court is making a joke out of itself. It can hide behind procedure and process all day. They made a decision. New York told them where to stick it. Everybody knew New York was going to do that. And the Supreme Court said, you know what? We'll give you a few years to play through the process. And guess what? If three years from now, the Supreme Court rules again that this is unconstitutional, do you think one person will get a gun for one day before another law is written and it again goes through the process? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I to me, that uh, gets into the foolishness of the 14th Amendment and the attempt to subvert federalism through the 14th Amendment. I mean, the original Constitution made the Second Amendment applicable to the federal government, not to the states. And I mean, that's a much larger argument to debate, but um, having the federal government in charge of supervising state government's protection of rights was not anything that the founders ever intended. It wasn't what the Second Amendment envisioned. And it's it's a problem. It's, it's really hard to enforce. And it's really hard to enforce 
without giving judges a whole lot of power under the 14th Amendment that all of us on this panel would object to and do object to. They, they already really, have that power, really though. Conferring additional power on judges if you're simply enforcing the Constitution. How is that conferring additional power on judges if they're merely enforcing the Constitution? Well, heck, I mean, Stephen started off by comparing it to abortion. You may think that abortion is not enumerated, but the right to life, liberty, and and uh, the right to life, liberty, and and due process of law is in the Constitution, and those words have been interpreted to mean the right to an abortion, the right to privacy. You may not agree with it, but that's that's. That's, that's, a, that's a far more loose interpretation of the wording of the Constitution than but I'm, but would apply comes, with the Second Amendment, isn't it? it? Yes, it is, but it's still it's coming from the same place, the Fourteenth Amendment. If the judges, if judges have the power to oversee what the what the state governments are doing, well, then they're going to be able to do it for things that we don't like too. I mean, the the real issue is that the um, the Constitution ha has no enforcement mechanism other than elect a new Congress. And the Supreme Court seized that power itself unconstitutionally. Um, the uh, Jefferson and Madison believed that it was the state's responsibility to enforce <clears throat> the constitution on the federal government by, by being able to um, but ex interpose exactly, themselves. Exactly, Ed. So how do the federal courts get to tell the state of New York what the Second Amendment means. That's exactly well, my in, point. In, in principle, uh, it, you know, I mean, we, it, you know, we can argue this all the way back to Marbury versus Madison, um, right. and I'm perfectly willing to do that. But I'm telling you that, just like, you know, um, Xi Jinping seized power in China, the courts have seized power in the United States. They have that power. They have the, it's not legal, it's not constitutional, it's not historical, but they have that power. And so given that that's the case, I, I agree with Kurt Schlichter, we should have our judges ram our viewpoint down their throats. But our judge, um, that's and, the point though, procedurally our judges didn't speak here. It was only Sotomayor. What do you expect? This wasn't a decision of the court. It was an emergency appeal. Right. Sotomayor decided. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure there's a, a way to uh, appeal the emergency appeal. I don't know procedure. No, the, the Supreme so. Court's saying you have to get the Second Circuit or whatever to reconsider or some BS like that. It doesn't matter. What I said about abortion is for Roe v. Wade, you could wake the Supreme Court up three o'clock in the morning and they will make sure that your right to abortion is not hindered by five minutes because you're not allowed to put any stumbling block into the ability to get an abortion exactly when and where you want it. And for here, we'll let the process pay out. That's all I'm saying. 60 million kids were killed by abortion or something because of the Supreme Court. When they want to do something, they could do something. When they want to run the country, they run the country, so. Their criticism, I'm, all, I wasn't agreeing with the substantive position. I was just saying, this is a process and a procedural decision not a substantive decision yeah now it is the other the other we, don't, we yeah. don't enforce the constitution on those we elect um for those of you who don't live in new york and miss this tiny story 
that the New York legislature voted itself a $30,000 raise. You guys all saw that? No, but I just realized I was muted while I was trying to get my question in. So uh, why did this go through the federal court and not through the state courts in, in New York? Because I think the lawsuit was filed in federal district court. I mean, because states have their own constitutions. I just did a quick look. I mean, apparently New York has their own, uh, uh, you know, uh, con uh, they have a civil rights law. It's, it's the language is basically the same as the U.S. Constitution. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms cannot be infringed. You know, where... Why wouldn't you go through the state courts and have the New York Supreme Court weigh in? Well, because it was plaintiffs that were situated the way we are that that are in favor of gun rights that sued to strike down the the New York law. They don't want to have to go and and redo all the work of Heller and McDonald and and Brune. They you know if they do in order to go through the state courts, you'd have to redo all that work. In the federal courts, it's already been decided under federal law. So they would just file, they would just go under federal law. Okay. I mean, I don't, so you're saying if it, it, I guess it's a little confusing, right? I mean, states have their own constitutions. You, you have constitutional rights that are enshrined at the state level too. It's not just the federal level. Uh, it seems to me that some of these issues should be adjudicated in state court potentially as well. Well, yeah, did, I shared a story earlier this week about how the South Carolina Supreme Court has reacted to Dobbs by reviving Roe v. Wade for South Carolina. Mm -hmm. They found the right to privacy and the right to abortion is now everywhere in South Carolina. One how of the did that happen? It, was it just a, a seriously a bad set of, uh, of judges appointed? The Republicans <laughs> have controlled both houses of the legislature and the governor's mansion in South Carolina for more than 20 years. So this is this there's no democrat the, hands in this. They can take steps to to you know address that then. They can pass a law, they can pass a constitutional amendment. They could do a lot of things. They could close the primary, but they won't. Yeah, we should go on and talk about how uh our current uh House of Representatives is going to betray us. If we're if we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about being betrayed by uh, by Republicans, we might as well go on to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm at the point where I don't think they can betray me anymore. I expect nothing from them. Right. <clears throat> well, you will be happily surprised or happily fulfilled when they give you nothing. I, I like there's a bill that was, oh, we're going to vote on a bill to do, you know, get rid of all the 87,000 agents. It's like, why are you wasting our time on bills that can't pass? Wait till the next uh, bill that must pass uh, and put that in there. Then dare the Democrats to uh, uh, vote it down. Um, it's just performance art and it's not even very good performance art well let me ask you something about Just, that ed you say they should attach that to a must pass legislation i thought that one of their one of their goals one of their stated objectives was going to be that on all these appropriations bills they were going to be <clears throat> single subject bills and they weren't going to do things like you're suggesting 
So well, we all know that's that. a lie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I, I don't even think the committees will report out. They're supposed to report out something like 12 different appropriations bills. Um, the, the issue is, you know, writing 12 appropriations bills and getting it through committee and getting it onto the floor, having a vote on it, that takes a lot of work and they don't want to do work. I mean, you know, Newt Gingrich is the root of all evil in this, right? He was the one who, and, and he had a good, you know, he had a good idea for politics. He was the one who said, okay, uh, we got to go home to our districts every weekend so um, we can stay in touch with the voters. And by stay in touch with the voters, meaning, you know, make the voters understand that they should be elected and to, to raise money. Um, and so it got to the point where, well, we've got to be, you know, in our district Saturday and Sunday. So we have to, you know, a lot of us have to fly on Friday. And then, of course, we can't like leave. Some of us can leave Sunday night, but most of us have to leave Monday. So we won't do any work in the House of Representatives on Monday and Friday. Uh, and we'll only do work on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But that includes committees and all of that stuff and hearings. And that's, that all takes up time. So we can't uh, do any work. And it's one of the reasons why we haven't had... Uh, budget in so long as like the, the house and the senate um that they just don't do any work um and they don't you know they don't they work i mean i you know they quote unquote work seven days a week but they work on their job for less than three days a week it's great it's a great gig if you can get it um but it, it makes it impossible for them to get through these appropriations bills and so when september 30th 2023 comes around um I don't know whether Predict it has this in their betting uh, pool, but I mean, if they did, you know, what's the probability of all 12 appropriations bills being passed by the House of Representatives and Senate for the Senate? Just that. The probability is zero. That they won't do their job at all. I, I guarantee it. They won't do it because it's institutionally impossible to do it. And can I ask only a really simple question. Why should they? Um, why should they do their work? I mean, yeah, yeah. That, they should have well, uh, spent the next two years arguing about who should be speaker. I mean, that why should been... why should they do anything if we're going to keep electing them and we elect 95 percent of them over and over, pay them the salary, pay them the perks, let them do the earmarks, et cetera, et cetera. Why should they do anything different? There is no reason for them to do this work. They will be reelected anyway. So come on, who's the idiot here? We, uh, you know, I've said this many times before, we talk about issues, you know, what we, should we do with the border? What should we do with the deficit? What should we do with Social Security and Medicare? You know, what are our positions with regard to Ukraine? And, you know, 90%, maybe 95% of people don't, don't vote on issues. And so, you know, that's, unless you, you know, how do you teach people to care about issues? I, I don't know. Well, who, who doesn't care about issues? I think most people care about issues. No, They're most Americans. People in Congress. Most of No, no, no. The voters. Like, voters don't voters vote on issues. The voters, the voters care about issues. They just don't vote on them. I don't think the voters care about issues. I think what percentage of well, I mean, vote? some of them do about some things, right? And I they mean, don't, obviously. Even if they care, they don't understand them. And I don't think, you know. The, the 
The majority of America knows, understands, and cares about most of these issues. They're busy playing on their phones or whatnot. I mean, if you look at like, there's roughly 200 plus million people who are registered voters. And, you know, even in a presidential election, only 60% of them vote, 65% of them vote. But let, like, look at, even if you're a leftist and you care about issues, a million people watch CNN and MSNBC for the news, you know, even at night, their best. And even the best, you know, uh, 4 million people. So that's like 5 million people out of like 220 million plus who care about. One of my friends I work with, he told me, oh no, he's never voted. I'm like, really? I, I, why, why didn't you ever vote? And he's like, well, I don't want to, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to be blamed. They're all the same. I'm not voting. Um, yeah. Why should I take responsibility for this disaster? You know, other people, if you vote, you got to take responsibility for figuring all this out. I, I just don't have time. I don't want to, I don't want to. Now this guy is a smart guy. I mean, he's smarter than I am. So it, it's like, okay, that's his. And, and, and that's the responsible position. The, the, other 90% are like exactly like him, but they pulled the lever anyway. So it's, uh, um, yeah, it's, I, you have to win by emotion. And I don't know, I'm very bad at emotion uh, because I'm, I, 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 I get, I get that. I'm not totally disagreeing, I guess, with what you're saying. There's different factions, there's a lot of people that are not even per se in the middle, but they're just ambivalent. You know, they're, they're in their own world. They want to watch Netflix and they don't want to be bothered and they don't want to hear it. And they're all the same. And, you know, we, we know that and there's this know one, that's out there, but you know, we there care about a, one line people a, on the left. They care about issues. There's one line in a Tom Clancy uh, book, uh, <clears throat> which I thought was funny. And it's, you know, it's just Tom Clancy inserting his, uh, you know, his politics in the book, which he did occasionally. And it was, he was describing a character, you know, Irishman, Boston, staunch, uh, anti-communist, uh, pro-military, voted for Edward Kennedy every single time. You know, I mean, he just, that's just a line. But I mean, like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, that, I don't care. Kennedy, this is a Kennedy name. John Kennedy was an anti-communist. Ted Kennedy was a communist, but he's a Kennedy. So I guess, it's a, you, I, you know, I, I don't want to tell you. Um, you know, right before, the Republican we started Party, the show, Ed, right before we started the show, we were talking about um, what Mike is uh, memeing for us here, that they're talking about banning all the gas stoves. And one of the team members of our panel said that people will not take it. And then someone said, we'll take anything. And I think that's part of the point. There's almost nothing they can't do now that will get people to actually yeah. make a difference. I mean, we're, we're living in weird times because you talk about emotion and, you know, it used to be that the bread, bread and butter issues were things that really motivated people. And when times were bad, like they have been in the last year or so with inflation, that, that would be a motivating enough factor for even the people in the middle, the Netflix watchers to get out to the polls and say, I'm pissed off. You know, I mean, I went to the supermarket yesterday and, and there were almost no eggs left on the shelf. You know, so, you know, I, again, we talk about the tipping point. When is that tipping point going to be? I, I, I don't know. But usually people get angry when things are not so good in their wallets, in their pocketbooks. 
Have you seen the pitchforks at Buttigieg's house today? I I I'm just aware think, I just think that when when Biden said he's consulting with the Secretary Buttigieg about the NOTAM uh, you know disaster, um, I mean I just burst out laughing. I, I mean I don't know what you know what else you're supposed to do. Ed, you're our technical person here. What in the world could have caused this? It's never happened before. What do you make of it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it. I, I don't know anything about the NOTAN system, but I can tell you that it's probably old. And uh, so am I, Ed. <laughs> I know, and it's probably, and they're probably they, they probably tried to update the software and it failed. I mean, that if if it were me, that's what I think happened. And and but I mean. It could be a cyber attack, I guess, but um, but Biden said it wasn't, so you have to believe. It. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, <laughs> come on. On the one hand, the sophisticated but, the Russian cyber attack against the American NOTAM system. On the other hand, the FAA fucked up. Now, which do you think is most likely? But isn't it? Isn't it surprising that they haven't just gone ahead and said it was the Russians? You know, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm it's shocked. It was Trump. Have you noticed they've pulled back on uh, on claiming the Russians blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? It, it subtly has been appearing in the regime media that, well, we're not so sure anymore that the Russians blew up the Nord Stream. But we don't know who it was. It definitely wasn't us. But we don't know who it was. Maybe, uh, maybe the, the British commandos left a laptop behind. Yeah, it's funny, and, uh, and that's why. But get, getting back to this for a second, I mean, like, you have to wonder if it, it, it would be a tipping point because, uh, first of all, I don't know how, in terms of the infrastructure alone, you could implement such a change. It's I only going to be new buildings, probably. They'll do like uh, a New York State. It'll start with new buildings. I, mean, I, I don't know. You can't put anything past them. They have all these crazy wacky ideas about getting rid of another one that strikes me is, all together in like two years so <laughs> another one that strikes me is a as a thing you, you would think that that people would go isn't this crazy and isn't this going too far it's the the kill switch on cars have you seen about that and, yeah. and it's just the, the idea that the government can remotely stop your vehicle uh, at any point. Ed, uh, Daniel, I got to stop you right there because our fearless reader said that was going to happen years ago. And he was he said it wearing a tinfoil hat. He said there's no reason why they won't do it. And lo and behold, I believe it passed in that bill. But it's, well, it's did you hear isn't it? the lack of response to it? Did you hear, Daniel, about the, the 15 minute? rule it's being implemented in oxford like you're only allowed to drive like 15 minutes from your yeah from your 15 house minute, 15 minute city is a, a big wef project and they're rolling it out in multiple cities um there's a there's a couple in britain that are doing it there's um uh paris uh the the mayor of paris wanted to do it there as well and it, it, there's lots of puff pieces. If you look around, there's lots of puff pieces in the in the media and on the WF website, et cetera, about how it's a wonderful solution to, to make people be more neighborly and to solve climate change. Um, and of course, it's about uh, a terrifying level of control over people. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's why the uh, planes shut down for several hours was for climate change. And they'll probably say, hey, it's a really good thing. Let's do it every other day. I did uh, actually, um, one of my successes in life, although they edited it, uh, it was getting an article, uh, getting a letter to the editor in Asia Week in Space Technology, where I, where I basically said that, you know, 2020 was a, a great test of, of whether uh, aviation has anything to do with uh, carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere. Because you can see the graph of carbon dioxide, you know, continued through 2020 with absolutely no change in, you know, going up. And, um, and so I said that because Aviation Week has gotten woke and they're talking mostly, uh, everything, every issue has something on, you know, using hydrogen to fuel airplanes, using electricity to fuel airplanes, using what they call sustainable aviation fuel, which is refined garbage uh, to power airplanes, all, you know, wildly expensive. Um, and I'm like, cut it out. And it got, it got published. I was very, I was, now they edited it, but it, it got published, uh, which I thought was, because it was a great experiment. It's like, you know, air, air travel was down over 60%. I think it was down 80% in 2020. And the if you look at the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, uh, or you know, in 2020 and 2021, you know, compared to uh, 1918 and whatnot, it's increasing at the exact same rate. So it meant that air air travel alone had no effect whatsoever on the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. And they published it. So good. It's my one success. Is there, has anybody done anything equivalent study-wise for car travel? Well, I mean, you know, you could pick anything that was down um, precipitously in uh, 2020 in the West. And, uh, you know, but I mean, just... A, a... Lost you. We lost you somehow. It too is coming from, you know, it's like mostly China and India. So um, nothing we do in the West uh, will make any difference whatsoever. Um, not that we should do anything, because I don't think increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is a, is a problem. It's in a lot of ways, it's a boon. But, um, you know, that's where we are. Why do you think this... Um this narrative, this green narrative has been so successful so quickly um, when it does seem to have very little rational basis whatsoever and basic facts seem to contradict it and that never comes across. Um, obviously we know about people being funded and then adjusting their results to fit that, but why, why do people want this? I think it's because of the same reason that religion has been so popular for so long. People want a larger cause to believe in, something that's larger than themselves. And that's what the that's what the green people have done. They've created a climate religion and right. they've got a bunch of adherence to it. it it's a morality for them. I, I do think it's a, a kind of a, a religion. Obviously, that it, there's saints, there's sinners, there's. I mean, it, it's a it's a mo mockery of Christianity. But it, it, you know, um, there are uh, sacraments. Uh, 
that you have to go through. Um, there, you know, people are, uh, uh, you know, recycling or whatever, none of which makes any sense. Right. But let's and not then, forget. Um, go ahead. But I mean, that's true of, I mean, of, you know, the activists that join groups like Stop Oil. And it, it's true of the, the kids who believe all this stuff. It's yeah. probably true of most teachers who believe this sort of stuff. But it's not true of the, the people in power and authority who are pressing these sure. agendas, is it? Well, when it comes to the... No, no, they just want power. Well, they want... They the other want, thing they is, I real, think, from the state... Ed, hold on a second. What they want is okay. is the real green. <laughs> and Al Gore has proven it. A lot of them have proven it. There's money to be had in addition to power by pushing this Marxist agenda. Mike, go ahead and say it. It's all about the Benjamins. <laughs> I think I just did. <laughs> You know, I mean, listen, I was involved in fighting a cap and trade scheme here in New Jersey. We got Chris Christie to to roll it back, even if it was for a short period of time. I mean, that was post after cap and trade was a big thing during Obama's years. And I was begging for an intrepid reporter to go find out who had their hand in the cookie jar. Um, there, There actually was one investigative reporter that was looking into it all and found that a lot of the Wall Street traders were buying the carbon credits and holding on to them, knowing that or hoping that at one point in the future, they'd be able to sell them for a nice hefty profit. So, I mean, we, we know that they're all trying to, to make uh, money off of it. I think they're trying to make money off it, but I really don't think that's the primary driver. I think that's just an offshoot. I think it's really about power, power over other people. Well, uh, that's certainly part noticed of it. That- but you, you noticed recently that uh, that um, Mikhail Gorbachev passed away, crazy Gorby. Um, and uh, w- what did he do, you know, after, uh, you know, he was kicked out as leader of the Soviet Union? Well, he founded the think tank. What was the think tank about? Well, it was about environmentalism. A, a large fraction of communist materialists, rather than the cultural Marxists that kind of run our country, but the communist materialists um, of the 60s, when they lost um, faith in Marxism-Leninism, as it was done in the Soviet Union, uh, moved over to, um, from protecting the proletariat to protecting the the environment. And I I think it, it is kind of, a watermelon uh, issue, you know, green on the outside, red on the inside, and and I, I I just I think it's the sort of the same, the same people, but instead of working for the proletariat, it works for the environment. And and like I said, they've they've it's a cheap knockoff of Christianity when when you get down to the you know underlying you know epistemology and and the you know church organization. Um, but it's definitely a neo-communist thing, and it's it's separate from like the trans people and the and the you know LGBT and the you know all the other neo-Marxist movements, the, the SEL and schools and all that. The, the, the environmentalists are are akin to them, you know, they're cousins, but sure. they're not they're not the same. I'd, I'd say the yeah. connection between those different groups is that. It's all a rebellion against uh, man's nature. 
um, you know, it's it's all rebellious towards tradition in all its forms, including uh, the traditional elevation of the significance of man. Um, because, you know, you go from a, a kind of Christian image as created in, in God's image, and you go from um, that man is given uh, dominion over the beasts, uh, and uh, is separate and distinct from animals to this very misanthropic worldview, which is that man is a kind of virus infecting the planet. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think the um, you know I've been a fan of the space program for for many years uh, since I was a kid, and I think you know the, what we see is tremendous achievement of of man's view in space is generally thought to be oh look at this small blue little blue marble and look and uh, Carl Sagan uh, you know talked them into taking a picture of one of the voyagers taking a picture of earth from you know way 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 out there and of course it's just this little speck of light and it's it's really is um that mentality you know has dominated the space program that, that you know look how look how small man is that that, that is the the fundamental driving force in in that sort of idea so i i do i do think that's exactly the environmentalist viewpoint is, is look how small man is now there are others that say man is a cancer on the planet or whatever but it, but i i do think that um we we went from a religion that said um, man was made in the image of god to um one that says man is made in the image of a gnat or something you know equivalent now, I'll put it just in slightly different terms. We went from a can-do society to a can't-do society. Therefore, we look at children as drains rather than resources. We don't aspire to fix the world. We just say we're all a big drain on it. And I, I see the difference between when I was a child and the American spirit was we can go to the moon. We can find new energy, et cetera. There's enough energy in the world probably to power us for a trillion years. And that's what the technology we have today. And yet our whole attitude has changed just in my my short lifetime to know we can't do anything. We just have to keep making ourselves smaller, 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 shutting off gas stoves, not having electricity. Who would have believed that 50 years ago? I was going to say, your lifetime is not quite that short, is it, Stephen? Thank you. <laughs> my, my wife says I'll be eligible for Medicare very soon. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> But on the I've been reading quite a bit on um, Bill Gates at the moment because I'm doing a book on him, and uh, um, there's a lot of, of stuff that that would seem to fit in with that traditional American can-doism uh, in in his the, the way he expresses himself and the way he justifies the things that he does, um, and there's loads of, uh, about you know uh, actually pointing out that that conditions on the planet have got better for people. Um, you know, overall in terms of uh, life expectancy, etc. Although that's been dented in the US by COVID and the responses to COVID, which has seen a, right. you know, a three-year or 3.6-year decline in life expectancy. Um, but um, it's very funny, this kind of uh, um, contradiction, because he's very strongly supportive of all this kind of transhumanism uh, and... Uh, man is not good enough and we need to kind of biologically re-engineer man and um, 
human beings are destroying the planet. He's, he's very much a, a typical kind of rich liberal and in line with all of that. But at the same time, he's saying, you know, I'm very confident about the things I'm doing interfering in world politics because we can make the world a beautiful utopia. So there's a there's a real contradiction there. And I think that's in 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 most kind of liberal attitudes. They have this misanthropy on one on one aspect, but this utopianism at the same time. And both of them are dangerous. Well, the left isn't guided. Yeah, there is. So it's all it's almost not. I mean, you know, if you if you read like Marx's um, Communist Manifesto and whatnot, I mean, he it it was, you know, a utopia that that he he wanted. But I, I don't think the people now want utopias. They want they want they explicitly want dystopians. They want everybody with a chip. Every all their movements tracked. They want you not be able to turn on your car. They want you know you all to live in high rise buildings, uh, the you know suburbs. Um, if we have suburbs, let's take a piece of empty land and build a twelve story public housing project in it and fill it with migrants. Um, that that's what our good suburb. That's what our good you know white suburbs uh, uh, need is just an infusion of you know fifteen stories filled with migrants. Um, I, so, I mean, I think they really don't want you to, I don't think they're utopian. Any, I think they're nihilists, you know, I think they're dystopians. Um, you know, they're just deliberately malicious, which is by, about as close to the definition of evil as you can get. I've been following the, um, you know, uh, this, this girl I have a total crush on, Eva uh, Lardingerbrock from the Netherlands. Have you guys heard about her? She has been out there protesting with um, the farmers in the Netherlands. They want to take away uh, 30 percent of the farmland to meet some sort of you know, net zero 2050 nonsense. Tucker um, did a really good hour long interview with her on his daytime show. Yeah, yeah. She's she's great. She's she's pretty as smart and and, you know, not afraid. That's what we need. Um, and. Uh, I mean, it's just insane, right? Because, well, okay, well, we know that what they say is they want to take 30% of the land out of cultivation. Um, that's not really, we know that's not going to happen. What's going to happen is it's going to be, you know, taken out of cultivation by <laughs> independent farm, family farms and put into cultivation, you know, by the state or by some big conglomerate. Um, maybe different cultivation than what it is now. But, you know, the Netherlands is a huge agricultural pr producer. I mean, it has been for centuries. So it's it's crazy to think that they were going to just shut down 30% of it because they wouldn't be able to, you know, they they don't want to use the green revolution, you know, nitrogen-based. What makes you sure that they don't want to starve people to death? Isn't that what Russia did, China did? Why wouldn't they want to? Yeah, I mean, certainly I think that uh, starving people to death is one of the tools in the toolbox of the depopulationists, you know, the Bill Gateses and the Klaus Schwab. You know, the whole Dav Davos meeting is going on right now. And it is really weird because, of course, this the whole Davos WEF thing has been going on for, for decades, but it's only been in the last few years that they've really come out into the public as open as... Uh, 
they are now. They were all very much uh, uh, in the shadows. Um, the WEF came out of the Bilderberg Group, which was another kind of, um, you know, you got to put your tinfoil hat on if you talk about the Bilder Bilderberg Group. But now they're kind of out in the open. You know, you will own nothing and be happy. I mean, they have a, they have a YouTube channel and it's all very, very dystopian. Um, and they're, they're very open, open about it, you know. And I think the depopulation agenda, you've heard the story that like, uh, sperm counts in the West have gone down like 50% in the last two or three decades. Mm -hmm. And uh, that could very well be one of the reasons why so few children are being born. Um, you know, what causes that, right? And why, why does, uh, and, you, and the, there was that the panel of leftists who all were, uh, you know, being teased about, you know, having low testosterone. So they all took a test, uh, you know, to, testosterone blood test and revealed, you know, on this video stream, what their levels were and they were all very low. Um, so it, it is a weird kind of, again, you know, that my Alex Jones was right jar has way too much money in it. And it, you know, he, he shouldn't be right, but he's way too, he's right way too often, way too early. Um, but I know, I know what's going on, but it's definitely, uh, malevolent that they are they are um explicit in terms of wanting to reduce fertility as well uh like yeah. female fertility um because one of the arguments that gates makes continuously is that aiding uh philanthropy in the third world uh it, it's always involved it's not just vaccinations that they're doing uh they do things like uh women's health and education um, and, you know, one of the things they're focused on is reducing birth rates. And the argument is that if you um, increase the survivability of children, infant mortality improves, um, then people are more willing to have fewer children. Uh, and, and that's how, you know, you, you, uh, ha how you get these population increases in the third world to decline um you know that's the least sinister interpretation of it well i mean if you look at the data really um the only uh place that has serious population increases is africa is sub-saharan africa and that's scheduled to go from 400 million to over a billion or maybe it's like one billion to four it's going up you know wild in, in this uh, till the end of the century, forget the exact numbers. Um, whereas even Asia is kind of, you know, peaking because of the Chinese and Indian policies, and and Europe, of course, is not not going up. The Americas are follow Europe, so it's it's you know it's sub-Saharan Africa that's the issue with regard to um, with regard to population growth. And so I, I can understand if you're a um, zero population person why you want to poison all the people in africa because they're the ones who are you know reproducing but then they 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 um if that were the case and if um uh you know the things like the covid vaccines are deliberate poisoning of people um rather than you know something that was rushed that they thought was beneficial but isn't um but if it's deliberate poisoning, then uh, and you want to reduce population through that, 
then um, wouldn't they have pushed the vaccines in Africa more than in Europe? They did. The Africans rejected them. The thing I the think thing the Africa I think the Africans have had one too many vaccines from Bill Gates. I, I yeah. honestly believe it. I, if I were if I were an African leader, I'd be like, Bill, you make sucky software, you make worse vaccines, get the hell out of my continent. <laughs> um, but he throws money at them, so it's it's a you know. Well, what that, do they that, want, was the, you know? that was the response of the pre-Modi uh, Indian government, wasn't it? Because they, they, they started getting a bit cautious about Bill Gates' involvement, um, and you know, after their polio vaccine rollouts, in uh, after the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation polio vaccine rollouts, and then yeah. you know, reports of the the, the number of people paralysed, etc., by those, um, and uh, the, whole, the whole vaccine. If you read. Um, RFK Jr.'s book, you know, the whole vaccine in the thing is is a giant scam. I mean, it's a giant scam, right? So if you want to vaccinate some, you know, people, kids in Nigeria with for rubella or something, you know, something like that, um, and you're Bill Gates, what, you know, what would you do? Well, I'm the richest man in the world. I'll buy rubella vaccine or MMR or whatever, and I will go over and I will vaccinate children. That's not how it works. He puts some money up. But then he gets um, all of these, you know, nonprofits and NGOs and all to put more money up, and they all get their money from the government, and then they pay him, and he invests in the vaccine manufacturers and whatnot. And so, Bill Gates saying, "I'm a philanthropist. I'm going to go vaccinate everybody in every kid in Nigeria for MMR." Is, is he he makes money on it and. It's not the Nigerian taxpayers who pay. It's not the Nigerian parents who pay. It's not the Nigerian government who pays. It's the American government that pays. And that is the scam. Mm. Bill Gates gets rich vaccinating Nigerians um, because the American government uh, supports this scam. And I, I think it's, it's, it's a scandal, really. All of it is a scandal. Um, but except for RFK Jr., I, I don't know anybody who's like out there talking about it. Well, Naomi Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, RFK Jr. is, uh, you know, I do highly recommend his book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Um, yeah, I read it. Um, what's wrong with his uh, voice, by the way? Yeah, there's um, a specific he, illness that he has or, or something that I, I, I was thinking. The way he was talking, when I saw him on Tucker, I was thinking he had Parkinson's. That's what it seemed. But I think no. he's always talked like that, hasn't he, for, for a very long time? Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. It, it's a specific it was, weird... Uh... It was very noticeable in this interview with Tucker this week yeah. versus anything I've seen of him in the past, and that was just my gut reaction to it. was like, does, does he have Parkinson's or something? Now? Mm -hmm. but who knows? All right, do you guys want to take the uh, necessary two minutes to laugh about the Biden uh, secret document scandal? Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, spasmodic dysphonia, also known as laryngeal right on the tip dysphonia, of my tongue. <laughs> is a disorder in which the muscles that generate a person's voice go into periods of spasm. This results in breaks or interruption of the voice, often ever a few senses, which make a person difficult to understand. It doesn't quite sound like it, but that's what um, that's what uh, 
Wikipedia said. Mm. An ironclad source. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. I guess we moved on from that topic. <laughs> yes, it was documents. We're talking about it? Biden's documents. Yes. Yeah, we're just laughing. <clears throat> on. Right. Well, it was interesting watching Tucker talk about that because we we like to joke that we're ahead of the curve. Well, uh, Tucker, I don't know if you saw it, but he was saying it's not really hypocrisy when comparing to the Trump situation. It's just uh, they're, as, as we like to say, they're consistently totalitarian. Oh, well, you know, I heard it first <laughs> in honesty from Ed Maslish from our show. Um, Bongino's been using it for a very long time, but I still heard it way before that from Ed. Bongino says literally it's hierarchy, not hypocrisy. I would like to think they took it from us. Ed, you didn't take it from them, <laughs> did you? No. I didn't think so. I heard it way first from you. And that's why we say we are ahead of the curve. And it's literally, you know, it's in your face. I mean, yeah. the, the thing with the documents, there are a little bit of hints from the left press that they're not happy with it. Of course, that goes along with we really want to get rid of him. And this is just another way. So, yeah, well, I mean, I think there is one point to be made, which is, you know, Trump was the president I and mean, he had the power to declassify whether he did or didn't may maybe add issue. But Joe Biden certainly did not. And whatever, the issue with classification of, of documents, excluding nuclear weapons related information, which is statutory. Um, is that uh, uh, is that the it doesn't apply to the president at all? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like well, can he do this? Or that? There's no, it doesn't apply to him at all. None of those rules, except for restricted data, which is the nuclear yeah. weapons design information. And so it it just doesn't apply to him. It applies to the vice president, so Biden, you know. Um, but on the other hand, everybody up there does this. Everybody. They, they all do it. They went after Trump for something that every single president has done, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ever since ever since people have been doing presidential memoirs, presidents have been taking documents away from their period in office. And, and uh, the, uh, the libraries, the presidential libraries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so it's, it's kind of bitten them on the arse to an extent that they went after him for something that everyone has done. Um, but it's it's astonishing that, you know, I, I never tire of, of seeing the the way that they can twist what they've said previously, because, uh, you know, moments right. ago, this was the, the most heinous crime you could possibly imagine taking these documents. And then they discover that there's documents that have been there a lot longer taken by a vice president. And it's suddenly a nothing burger. Yep. I, I yeah. think Joy Behar put it the best. I think it was her. She just came out and said it. You know, Biden's a good guy, so we trust him, and Trump's not a good guy. It, it's just like <laughs> flush them right out. Like, I mean, yeah, I think, I think the that's most right. interesting thing is Biden's lawyers went, you know, proactively to, to search for it. I'm not aware of any subpoena having been issued, um, and I don't know why they're publicizing it. I think it that's well, the meta issue is, I, you know, again, someone just tweeted this. Uh, you know, the meta issues, I think they want to get rid of Biden and Biden's convinced that his quote unquote victory in the midterms has shown that everybody loves him and he should run for president again. And I, you know, I mean, he's a fool. He's a buffoon. Uh, he's demented. Um, he, he can't even walk straight, you know. So, I mean, it, I think there's. 
there are people in the Democratic Party who think someone like um, Gavin Newsom could do it. Gavin Newsom, California, maintaining freedom. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> um, would do a better job at, at being president. Um, and I think Gavin Newsom, who's an empty student and, you know, could just be um, the, uh, the mouthpiece of the regime. Um, I think he would be better president than Biden, who uh, occasionally says things that are stupid. So I think um, I think that's but you the know plan. what these people are so evil. I, why would they be trying to persuade him not to run? But serious serious question: Why wouldn't they just kill him? They could find a way to kill the guy. I mean, the Clintons have been masters at it. Okay, no, 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 I don't believe that any Democrat president would be involved in the assassination of a president. No. No, that didn't happen. That's, yeah, of course. That's this, especially not the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What were you saying, Ed? Saying why don't they just kill the guy? If they, I mean, why would they go to all this trouble to to reveal bad things that he's done rather than just knock him out? I mean, I well, I, I mean, I, I think they don't well, want yeah. they they don't want Kamala either. She's a disaster too. So if, if they kill him, they if they make Kamala the front runner. Just give them a few, a few more, uh, a few more booster shots should do it. Yeah, I mean, just, I think their plan is just to boost him every six months. <laughs> I, I think that's the plan. If he doesn't run, if he doesn't run, Kamala is still a front runner. Why no. would she be less of a front runner? She, she has no support among any constituency except the why would remaining. They be right. So then, why would they be afraid of her becoming? Uh, you know, temporary because president. if they if if they were to assassinate Biden, she would become the president. And she would become the president, and, and thus have all the power of the incumbency, which is substantial. Whereas the vice president doesn't have anything. Maybe Hillary doesn't want her to be the first female president. <laughs> Maybe just trying to say she'll commit suicide. You know, and all joking aside, killing John F. Kennedy when he was what forty three years old or something. That was tougher. This is a man who, if he died tomorrow, no one would blink an eye. He's an old man who's not well. So, right, and they're they're damaging their brand. I mean, I know on some level they don't care. They think they're going to take over, but I mean, why is it better to you know reveal bad things that the, that Biden and by implication the Democrat Party is part of, rather than just knock them out? I, I, yeah. There's something strange about it. But, you know, they get to spin how wonderful they are, that they're willing to condemn their own, unlike the Republicans, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the press. But they're not condemning it. They're not condemning it They think like um, Soviets and fanatics, though, don't they? So to them, there's nothing that um, accrues to them if the old leader is um, if the old leader is disgraced and pushed out, that that doesn't invalidate anything about them in their eyes it's just convenient to disgrace and push out the old leader when you when you need to um you know it's just like uh just like a you know the, those pictures of everybody surrounding stalin that gradually get more and more blacked out biden has been grifting to become president since the 80s <laughs> he's never going to voluntarily leave i mean they're not stupid these people know that he's not going to just leave. I don't. I, I don't I mean, know. What, I mean, what are I, they going to? I mean, I, they, Ed, Ed, I don't. I'm going to go full cynical here, but 
considering that he spends most of his time talking from a fake office, they could easily convince him he was reelected and he wouldn't know the difference. I, I kind of disagree with you, Ed. I think if, if the Democrats decide that they want him gone, he's going to be gone. And all they need to do is jump on one of these scandals and say, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this whole thing with Ukraine, all this stuff. All they have to do is, is stop defending him and then, you know, basically say you're done. It'll, it'll, give, it'll, give them, it'll give them at least cause to say, OK, we're going to roll with, with Gavin Newsom or somebody else come primary season. I don't think they're going to just, you know, uh, you know, alienate him if there's nothing to base it on, if that he they just would, doesn't want to leave. Even, they would even be blatant enough, I think, that if, if they decided to remove Biden, once they removed him, they would say, this is the difference between us and the right wing or us and the Republicans, in that we acknowledge our faults and uh, we will, we are not a yeah. cult. You know, we will, we will remove the person who's, who's wrong. Uh, and Maybe. it would be the exact opposite of reality but that's how it would be spun. I don't know if they would get away with even that one. Of course they would. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Andrew Cuomo? I don't they might try to con convince themselves on MSNBC of that, but I don't know. Yeah, Cuomo's a good, a good example. It, you know, when they decide to shove someone under the bus, they don't do it by half measures. But they don't even. Yeah, need, and, they don't need, and Biden. They don't need him to leave. Biden office. is guilty of so many crimes. Uh, they can go the whole uh, sexual assault rape route, which has, there are credible right. allegations against Biden for that. They can do the whole big guy route and accepting right. money from the Chinese or the you know Ukrainians or uh, any number of different people, uh, the whole Biden crime family thing. I mean, if they want to take down Biden, they, they got plenty of things that yep. they can use. Um, all they need is the New York Times to allow, to uh, to write an article on, say, the big guy. And and then everybody has permission to talk about it, right? Because New York Times is the one who gives permission to talk about this. Sometimes the Washington Post depends on who it is. The Washington Post is the CIA. So if the CIA wants to take someone down, it goes to the Washington Post. But if the rest of the regime wants to take things down, it goes to the New York Times. So I mean, at some point, the big guy might um, mm -hmm. might be. Oh yeah, we've decided. Like, like, didn't the New York Times say something uh, like, "Oh yeah, on second thought, we think this was really a lab leak." And then everybody can talk about it. Everybody <laughs> could talk about the lab leak theory then, because the New York Times had done their thing over the lab leak theory. Well, the question is one of a timeline at this point, so. You know, when 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 do they turn? If they turn, is it like next fall that they have to decide whether they want to turn on them or not? I think this summer. I think this summer. And, you know, I think we'll see if somebody jumps in to um, oppose him. Right. That's the thing. It's like. Can. Is someone going to jump in to the race? on the Democrat side before Biden says he's not going to run. Right. And the parallel is this lady running against DiFi, who's picking up some flack, but it's very much the same situation. Uh, apparently Feinstein is completely demented. I mean, worse than Biden. Um, and that she hasn't done anything ever. Right, but she hasn't said she's done. going yet and somebody has, you know, picked up I mean, the other yeah. alternative is we may never know 
what really happened because they could do this all behind closed doors and say, hey, listen, Joe, uh, you need to come out and say, listen, I've decided it's enough. And I'm just going to do the one term. And they point a gun in his head and said, listen, we don't want to go down this road, but we'll turn on you publicly on whatever scandal it might be. It's right, gonna be, Mike, it'll, be, it'll be easier this way if you just come out and say, listen, but he's Mike, so I, like, I really <laughs> like my idea better. And they don't even have to pay the Secret Service. They can just get Salvation <laughs> Army people to watch over him. He's you know, so they always say, though, how could they uh, you, know, you know, they always say I'm retiring to spend more time with my family. <laughs> and and he would have to say yeah. I'm retiring to spend more time showering with my family. Ooh, uh, oh, yes, exactly. oh, yeah. Oh, He's oh, so shameless, yeah. though. What could they threaten to expose on him that, that he would care about? He doesn't care about any of it. It's all a big grift for him. Okay, but I'm just saying, like, I'm throwing out their scenarios. And one could be they come behind closed doors and say, is this what you want? We're going to turn on you publicly on the Ukraine thing or your son and the laptop and, you know, whatever. Do you, is that, how you, is that how you want to go down? I think the only thing that they could possibly scare him with would be taking his money away. He's ninety-five. They could find a way old. to take the money away. That that would that would scare him. What's he going to do? Take it with him at this point? That's what motivates that family. Listen, yeah, if they, they, were, want, if they uh, want him the, gone. The whole Biden only... family were. I'm saying if, if they the want him Biden gone, there's, there's, there's only so many ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole Biden family has always been sort of a criminal enterprise. They were just stupid. But when he became vice president, like their stupidity could not keep them from being showered with foreign money. <laughs> you know, no matter how dumb the family was, no matter what idiots they are, um, it couldn't it could have couldn't help help them from being showered by, you know, money from all of our enemies. So. Okay, let's move to the stories we haven't covered. Go. Holy smoke. Well, there was a story from last week that continues into this week, and that's the continued reveals from the Twitter files. And, you know, the the level of penetration of the of the federal government and all of its agencies into social media is just it's mind-blowing. I mean, we've we've talked about it on the show. We you know, we talked about how they weren't private, really private companies. We talked about how they were either acting under duress or, or worse, acting as as willing collaborators. But it's just shocking to me how how pervasive and and I mean, it's everywhere. And, you know, how do we even know what's true anymore? I don't know why you'd be shocked at this point. I mean, none of it shocks. The, the latest one I saw was a uh, Pfizer stockholder who'd served in the, the um, uh, Trump administration who uh, pressured Twitter to um, block a fairly innocuous tweet uh, right. tweet about um, uh, natural immunity, which right. was kind of accepted reality of science uh, until COVID came along. And it goes back to the question we asked at the beginning of the show, is there a tipping point? <laughs> Will the left ever care? Will the press ever care? Probably not. As long as they're getting paid, they don't care. Um, 
when the you know if something blocked the flow of money to them then they would start caring i mean is there any chance that jim jordan and these new committees will get anywhere for real what do you mean by mm, any anywhere i mean I they're not prosecutors that a vague um they can't prosecute they can refer to doj DOJ is still run by Merrick Garland and the Democrats. I mean, all they can possibly do is expose things and reveal things. Well, Dan they, they Daniel, can't... I think uh, you're a second time offender now on uh, Facebook, aren't you? Uh, more than that, multiple time offenders. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm muted for another 22 days. Yeah, you're, you're in so, the hole. You're in the hole. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm in, I'm I mean, in jail. Listen, I mean, that obviously speaks to how effective you are uh, on, on Facebook as a thought leader, but it also obviously shows that, again, stating the obvious, that what's gone on at Twitter and, and what's happened to so many people out there like you continues to go on on Facebook and other platforms, and it just runs so deep and it's so dis disgusting. Um, you know, the, the question always returns to, is anybody ever going to be held accountable for any of this stuff? Well, it's it's going to be harder for them, just like with the Biden papers. It's going to be harder with Bannon having, being having been convicted for the same thing to happen on the other side and for have they're going to have to squirm out of it. Will it matter for real? Who knows? It just it gets a little bit more interesting. I mean, sadly, I don't see on the horizon at all any kind of punishment. For, for anybody involved you know if you look at the, the things that the, the FBI have done and there's been no real pushback whatsoever and uh, um, you know maybe maybe the speakership um, being dragged out um, will give a little bit more teeth to, to actions in Congress but I doubt that you know there's certainly not on this side of the pond there's there's no chance of um, of anyone being punished for what's gone on. Right, uh, whatever, well, all they could do is refer it to a DOJ that's corrupt. Well, well, like, there's yeah, also go, there, there are going to be lawsuits that going. I mean, Alex Berenson is uh, going ahead with another lawsuit, and I'm sure there's going to be a flurry from a lot of people. So I, I'm anticipating that the courts are going to be packed with these lawsuits and a lot. We've of just had um, for, year, for years to come, unfortunately. We're referring to to COVID. And anyone getting punished for that? We've just had uh, um, when I was on um, a little while ago with you, uh, I spoke about uh, Andrew Bridgen MP, who's the only British MP who has um, led a debate on uh, COVID that was anti-vaccine, um, and it was a. And he was the one who gave that great speech on the floor of the House of Commons, right? That yeah, we, and it. it yeah no more than five MPs were present for that. Um, and he's just been suspended from the Conservative Party um, because he, um, the, the alleged kind of offence is that he, as well as questioning the, the, the um, vaccinations, um, and everything he used when he did so um, was government own, government's own statistics and Pfizer trial data. Um, so he didn't use, you know, it's not that he'd gathered these, the sources that were disreputable. It was all, uh, 
official figures. But he then went on to recently, he said um, that the that a, a cardiologist had said to him that the um, COVID vaccinations were the uh, worst crime since the Holocaust. Um, so immediately that was leapt on as uh, anti-Semitism to compare to the Holocaust, even though he's reporting what someone else has said. Um, and the Conservative Party um, censured him, the Chief Whip censured him, um, BBC News immediately put up a story about it where they had a um, misinformation editor, um, you know, in Orwellian fashion, saying that it's all a load of nonsense, everything he said. But, you know, um, uh, maybe it's crass to compare to the Holocaust, uh, um, but we had 6.5 million people, according to their own statistics, die from COVID, and this was a deliberately engineered virus that didn't need to exist. Um, all the evidence suggests now that it was created in a lab and even the, you know, the, the, the other side admit this. Um, so if you've had 6.5 million people die from that, if you've had an uncounted number of people, uh, because we've only got poor reporting systems in place, uh, die from the vaccine itself, um, you are talking about that these people have been responsible for policies that have killed millions of people. Um, and what we're doing at the moment is we're still censoring people who say things like that rather than the people who created that scenario. Yeah, I mean, obviously uh, nobody wants to um, you know, denigrate the Holocaust, but there have been plenty of mass murders in the history of the world that were worse than that. Um, and if uh, SARS-CoV-2 itself, I don't know what Worldometer says, but it, it's probably over 6 million uh, worldwide, man-made disaster. And, and that, you know, so, I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to, uh, to compare it um, to the Holocaust. I, I, I wouldn't do it just because I think it's, it's this sort of a dumb metric, but. It's foolish. Um, it's, it's foolish to make that. It's full. Yeah, it's, it's foolish. The but, other side of weapon. Um, yeah, but um, you know it is terrible that we are um, more concerned about offensive language than millions of deaths. Right. Okay. Yeah, and what crazy. other story didn't we talk about? Uh, so a bunch of stories. One I posted in the chat earlier, uh, quick, is that the vaccine mandate for military personnel was repealed with the NDAA that was signed right before Christmas. So uh, they are going to go back and um, not make right, because our government never does that, but they're going to uh, change the um, discharge from dishonorable to honorable um, for the people they threw out. They're going to approve all of the requests for exemptions that uh, people have pending, and they're no longer going to require the vaccine um, for the military. And I think that, you know, I think that's obviously a win. It's, it's a, it, 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 but it, it's a win, like in the sense of you've bashed your head in the wall for two years and you've just stopped now. So, but I mean, it's, it's better than nothing. The other thing that's kind of weird that's going on in the rightosphere on the internet is this Andrew Tate uh, situation. 
Tate is a just a horrible human being uh, who ran a sex uh, cam girl operation. And the accusations are that these women that he was using these in cam girls were being, you know, kept as, uh, you know, as slaves, essentially. Um, and he's been arrested in Romania. And so, but he's been very pro, like, you know, pro-man, anti-feminist, right? And so, you know, there, there's a lot of people who admired him. I was never one of them. <laughs> but uh, so there's a spike going on among sort of young, the, the young is like, is, is, he, is he a good guy that's being oppressed by the system or is he a bad guy who, uh, you know, is getting, finally getting justice? And I'm, I'm fully on the, um, he, he's a horrible, horrible person who, who uh, deserves to spend the rest of his life in prison. Um, but it is kind of weird that it's sort of splitting the right wing um, in in the YouTube you right wing of sphere when I think the evidence against Tate is overwhelming um, and his response is, is you know it's all manufactured right? so it's it's very difficult to um, uh, you, you know it's, it's it's impossible to have a debate when they say uh, everything is manufactured um, you know so on what basis do we do we even discuss it now uh, but it is sort of tearing up the right on the internet, and I, it's a it's a very weird little thing. Uh, he was released on. without charge, though, wasn't he? No, no, he's in prison. Um, he's in he's in oh, prison. The last I heard, he'd been released. No, still in prison. Yeah, uh, that's obviously erroneous reports I've seen. Then, um, but um, I think it, if he is a horrible, I mean, he he. The little I've seen of him, he came across as a bit of a dick to me. Um, and and kind of the ally, the sort of ally that, you know, doesn't really help you. Um, no, definitely doesn't help. But he, I mean, he was, you know, I, I remember him saying something about um, the COVID restrictions in Australia and the fact that he could fly in because he had a private jet. And none of the none of the, the the procedures that were enforced on ordinary people were enforced on him, because he had he, because he was rich and had a private jet. So I think when he said things like that, he was he was saying things that was worth saying. Um, and I think as well that the whole toxic masculinity thing that there's such a hatred of men in our culture, and it's so acceptable to to hate maleness that you are going to create. Uh, a response to that and some of those responses will be monstrous people but yeah. um you know that's been created by the atmosphere of man hate hatred yeah i think the whole um you know the right wing is is uh, sort of pestered by the fact that uh everybody who's a right wing you know influencer or whatever uh feels they have to you know be a saint. And since no one is a saint and everyone has done horrible things in their past, I mean, not like murder horrible, but they've done things they've regretted. Um, they, uh, you know, they run around in fear that, that this this thing they did, you know, back when they were 16 or whatever is going to be released and, and they'll be, you know, destroyed. And I think we've got to kind of get over that. Now, running a sex slavery operation is not, you know, is <laughs> not a forgivable thing. But, uh, you know, what what the the right 
approach is to say, you know, is yeah, yes, I was an idiot when I was a young man and or a young woman. And uh, I did some stupid things that I regret. Um, but like, I'm not that person anymore. So can we just move on? And I, I think the, the, the right, you know, keeps getting into these circular firing squads. And uh, this whole Tate thing is, is a giant circular firing squad among the, uh, among the right online. And it's just not helping anyone. Ed, is it remotely possible that he's doing this so he can do an etiquette class in a men's prison? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think teaching inmates in a Romanian prison how to be more masculine is going to get too many. Uh, I'm masculine on the country. Which fork to you? Attendee. Hold your napkin. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, God. And, and, and another one we haven't mentioned that I think is uh, important to mention is the, the arrest of Ashley Babbitt's mum. Yep. Um, which which seems to me yeah. that kind of the nadir of of being able to do whatever the hell you like. Is she being held? Uh, I just saw that she was arrested. I don't know what the situation is now. Know? I don't think she's being held, but she was arrested for jaywalking. Arrested. Her, her, which is her mother, yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. Oh my god. Well, yeah, I mean, one, we didn't talk much about J6 last week, but obviously we just passed the um, the anniversary. And uh, it would be really nice if the Republicans would step up and, and do something now that they have some power. Well, speaking of them just having some power, I did want to throw one other story at us, and that was how the, the new House majority did its conducted its first vote on supposedly repealing 87,000 IRS agents and they're trumpeting it as promises made promises kept. And I think that we all need to be on guard for the typical Republican BS. This is like repealing Obamacare uh, how many dozen times and sending it to, you know, first they, first it got killed in the Senate. And then when they won the right. Senate in 14, Obama just repeat, uh, just, uh, vetoed the bills. This is a show vote. It's they're not doing anything substantive. It's typical Republicans pretending like they've done something but haven't done anything. Um, it's I, I'm not opposed to them voting voting those things down. Um, Ed mentioned earlier the possibility of putting that into must pass legislation. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but uh, the Republicans are the type that like to talk and pretend like they've done things. And they're already pretending like they've accomplished something because they've supposedly kept a promise. And to me, they haven't done anything. I mean, it's just a show vote. They know the Senate will never pass that bill, that same bill. And if the Senate did pass it, the president is gonna veto it. So um, we should be on, on guard for, for Republican BS stories. I mean, look, I mean, there's the prop, the problem is They've earned our cynicism so much that I, th I think there are times when it's worth forcing a vote on things and getting the other side on record and all that. Thing. Oh, absolutely. I'm not yeah, against, the, vote. I know, I'm no, against I know. the whole promises made, promises right. kept. Yeah, like no, they've, I, like I, they've I, accomplished something. They haven't accomplished a damn yeah. thing. Right. Yep. Yeah. When they actually accomplish it, uh, then they can say that. But right. They yeah, haven't accomplished it. There, there's the only... not much of 
The only thing they can do is debt ceiling. Other than that, there's nothing they can accomplish, correct? Well, I mean, there's going to be a new budget for October 1. I mean, October that's 1. That's a long way in the future, so. And it's the election year budget, right? So, I mean, it's never the budget that they like to cut, uh, even when they want to cut, because it uh, it interferes with their ability to get reelected. Yeah, Going back to what Michael said, will they do anything about the January 6th? What can they do? All they can do is is expose the the reality of what happened on that day. And, well, and McCarthy, McCarthy now as the Speaker of the House is in a position to release information that was in Pelosi's control before. Let's see what he. Let's see if he releases. Right. They they announced today that they're going to um, release all fourteen thousand hours of video. They did say they're going to do that now. So yeah, yeah, I mean they say a lot of things. I, I want them to continue the January 6th committee. It's a, it's a committee. It gets new members. Right. Let's continue it. I think they yeah. should. Um, and uh, uh, yep. put somebody like Jim Jordan or, or Thomas Massey or even MTG in charge of the January 6th committee. That, that would be useful. Are they allowed to convene wherever they want? What, committees? Sure. No, I mean the whole Congress. Uh, well... In the past, they have convened in, in places if there's something wrong with the con. So what they should do, and I think I'm channeling Ed Maslish. If not, please forgive me. They should convene outside that jail. There's a lot that they could do in, in terms of PR at a minimum. Yeah. Yes. Because those people yeah. literally being but, tortured yeah. for two years is just mind boggling. The other thing I found fascinating is, I mean, it, it, it's really interesting how over time, how the leftists have changed their tune when it comes to the man and people in power and the FBI, the CIA, and all of it, because now that they're the man now. Yeah, no, I, I get you. But, it, you know, obviously now that the Republicans apparently are going to convene hearings on the deep state and the FBI, you have the MSNBCs, the CNNs, all defending the the these um these uh you know outlets of authority and they don't want the truth to come out about anything it's just <laughs> it's really it's, it's the same with the uh the attitude to big big business Listen, and the the, the kind it, of defense of the common the man. idea the yeah. idea of meathead you know meathead yeah. standing up for the cops yeah. is just too right. funny it's just worth living just yeah. to do that it's a far cry. <laughs> from, it's a far cry from the '60s hippies and the Woodstock crowd. Yep, it's flipped yep. on its head. It's just it's fascinating to watch. Yep. So, by the way, uh, my last thought of the day is I, I'm just I'm lucky to be here today. I just want to let you guys know there was. Well, you just blacked out. There what? Maybe we're lucky. Remember, I went o'clock in the afternoon. I I, I, I felt we lost you, Mike. Start I, again. I, Start again. No, we lost you. Okay, my my connection is saying unstable, just like me. That's because I'm, you're burning it up. <laughs> so uh, no, there was apparently uh, some seismic event in New Jersey about one o'clock this afternoon, and I felt something. I thought there was a truck that crashed outside my house or something, and I didn't know what it was till Facebook exploded with it. But I'm just lucky to be here, kind of like AOC from January sixth. I mean, I I I could have been dead. I could have been dead. 
We're okay. glad you're not. What happened, Mike? <laughs> I survived. I, I need to get a shirt. I survived a New Jersey earthquake. There you go. All right. Well, if a few, of my, few more of my friends and family got out of there, I wouldn't mind, but we'll leave that. So, okay, folks, let's wrap it up for today. I thank everybody for being here. Another great show as always. We will see everybody back a week from today at four o'clock. Have a wonderful day.